Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning for our nine o'clock service. A um, couple things before the message this morning. Don't forget that this Wednesday is our Pi Fellowship, the evening before Thanksgiving. And so far, Amanda's only had five people contact her about bringing a pie. So please, if you're planning on bringing a pie, please email or contact Amanda Mason about that for Wednesday. Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, our youth ministry is sort of sponsoring a Feed My Starving Children event. And this is not just for, for youth and for parents, but for anybody in our church that would like to be a part of that. And you can see someone on the youth ministry team about being a part of that on Friday. And then next Sunday, a week from today, at both the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services, uh, we're going to have our missionaries to the Czech Republic, Josh and Anishka, with us uh, at the end of both services to share an update about what's going on with them before they head back to the Czech Republic in a couple of weeks. All right, Psalm 54 this morning, as we continue our series on the life of David, the worshiping warrior of God. And uh, this psalm is only seven verses, but there's a lot in these seven verses this morning. I want you to look at the principles, if you will, of this psalm from this perspective. When trouble comes knocking on your door, what should you do? When trouble comes knocking on your door, what should you do? David does three things in this psalm. He calls on the Lord, he trusts in the Lord, and he worships the Lord. Those are three things that we should do at all times in our life, but especially when trouble comes knocking on our door. You will notice before the psalm ever begins that there is a description of this it says, it was written when the Ziphites came and informed Saul where David was hiding. We talked about that last week. And why that is significant is because the Ziphites were from the same tribe that David was from, the tribe of Judah. We learn throughout our study of the life of David that most of the time, the hurt, the pain that he endured, the struggle that he endured came from his own people, more so than it came from outside his own people. I mean, think about that. That, that would be like saying, you and I sometimes, the greatest pains and struggles and trials we have would be within our own physical family and within our own spiritual family at times. That, that's where David was at at this time. The thing I want us to see about that is notice what David, though, is doing with his hurt, with his pain, with his struggle. He's talking about it. He's processing it. He's writing it down, his feelings. That's important. You and I can relate with the Psalms, and, and one of the reasons why we can relate with it is like, oh, that's what I feel. That, that's what I'm struggling with. That, that's what I'm dealing with. And, and we can relate. As I've said many times when we've talked about the Psalms, the Psalms not only speak to us, many times they speak for us, right? 
But what David is doing is setting a good example because sometimes, even as Christians, when we go through stuff, what do we do? We stuff our stuff. We keep it inside. And that's never good. Because eventually the stuff that we stuff, it's going to come out. And if we stuff it and eventually it comes out, it never comes out in a healthy and good way. I want to encourage you today. You're going through stuff throughout your life. Process it. Talk about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to a friend about it. David had Jonathan. But most of the time, as we're going to see in the first part of this psalm, what's David do? He talks to the Lord about it. He calls on the Lord. He doesn't let those feelings just stay there and stuff them down there. He gets it out. We need to get it out. And we need to, as David did, call on the Lord. So notice in the first few verses, Oh God, deliver me. Vindicate me. Listen to me, verse 2. Pay attention to me. He's crying out. He's calling out to the Lord during this really hard time in his life. You and I need to do the same thing. God needs to be a well-worn path in our life. We need to continually call upon the Lord during our times of struggle when trouble comes knocking at our door. Call on the Lord. I want to encourage you, if you've never developed a habit of calling on the Lord or crying out to him throughout your life, I would encourage you to start right now. If you are in the habit of calling on the Lord or crying out to him, I would encourage you, continue. Because we need to keep those lines of communication open. Even when we're struggling, especially when we're struggling, even when we're struggling with God. That's one of the things that Job did throughout his trial and struggle. It's never good to shut down communication. That will kill a relationship. That will destroy a relationship. And one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart even as Nicole pointed out, is that when David was going through hard times and even times where he might even question God and be disillusioned with God, he never shut down communing and communicating with his God. I want to encourage you to do the same. Notice some of the specifics as he called out to the Lord. First of all, you'll notice he mentions his name. In fact, in this psalm, he, he uses God, which is Elohim, in the first few verses of this psalm. And then down in verse 4, he uses the name of, of God, Adonai, capital L, small o-r-d. And then in verse 6, he uses the name for God, Jehovah, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The names of God. Let me share with you how I sort of differentiate these three names of God that are prominent, especially in the Old Testament. Elohim speaks about God being the God before all things because it is not only plural, which means it is a reference to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's important in Elohim. 
but it's also emphasizing that God is our creator, that he is the source of all things, that everything comes from him and that he was before all things. Elohim. Adonai speaks about God being above all things, that he is sovereign, that he is the ruler, that he is the master, if you will, that he is the king of the universe, that he did create. Elohim created it. Adonai rules over it. So he is before all things, Elohim. He is above all things, Adonai. And then Jehovah, he is to all things. Meaning that everything that God created in some way relates to him. In a good way or in a bad way. In a personal relationship or not so. But everything relates to God. Nothing finds fulfillment and satisfaction in this world apart from God. God created us to have a relationship, fellowship, intimacy, communion with him. Jehovah, he is the God of relating to those that he created. Now with that said, notice again what David cries out then to Elohim in verse one. Deliver me, save me God, rescue me. This is the young man that was anointed to be the future king of Israel by Samuel. And yet notice God is allowing him to go through this like 10 to 12 year period where he's running for his life and going from one trial to another trial to another. Just because God's made these promises even to us about what our future holds, and we know as a Christian the best is yet to come, that doesn't mean that right here, right now in the trenches, we might not be going through hard things. That's life. And so it's not contradictory for God to have said to David, David, you're going to be my future king. Oh, but before you ascend the throne, you're going to go through this. That'd be just like saying to us, oh, Jeff, guess what? You've got an eternity in glory. You've got an eternal home waiting for you in heaven. But while you're here on earth, oh, there's going to be some stuff you're going to have to deal with. So that's why even though we know the promises of God, especially about our future and that many of them are good and glorious, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be times where just like David, we have to call out to God and cry out to God, God, I need your deliverance from this. I, I need your saving from this. I need your rescue from this. And notice what David says also. Deliver me by your name, the name of God stands for what God is like and who he is. His name reveals himself. It says something about him. Our ladies just got done a study of the names of Jesus. And we're going to be talking a lot about the name of God in the weeks to come. All the names that God uses in the Bible to reveal himself say something about him to us. That's why it's important that we know his names and that we understand what they mean because they can be a great source of strength and comfort and encouragement to us. 
Think about some of these verses from the word of God. In the book of Proverbs, the name of the Lord is like what? A strong tower. And the righteous run into it and are set safely on high. So the name of God is pictured as a strong tower, a refuge, if you will a place of safety and security and stability. And we've been learning about that and who God is for David through this time. And then you have the verse out of Acts where Peter is preaching and he's saying, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, but you have rejected the chief cornerstone of God. But then he goes on to say, neither is there salvation in any other? For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And then how about these verses out of Philippians where Paul is talking to us about our Jesus being obedient to the Father's will, even to the point of death on a cross, and then says... Because of his obedience, the Father has exalted him and given him what? A name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth one day. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of God. The name of God. And David because he knows his God through a personal relationship and has understood throughout his time in God's word and with God through the years that he's walked with God what God's names mean and what they reveal about his God. He's leaning upon that right now. He's appealing to that God right now, just as you and I should do, that the more we know about our God, the more we know He invites us to call upon him when we go through trials and when trouble comes knocking at our door. Notice David goes on in verse 1 to say, vindicate me, defend me, uphold me by your power. And David knows as Adonai, there is no power in the universe greater than God's power. So he's appealing to the highest power of all. Oh God, oh Elohim, listen to my prayer. Pay attention to what I say. For foreigners attack me, ruthless men, violent men, who do not respect you or know you at all, seek my life. And then he says, Selah, which is a term we've already talked about. It means to stop and think about what's just been said. And what has just been said? Well, again, that even the anointed of God, the future king of Israel, is going through a really hard season right now. And yet in that season, what is he doing? He's calling upon the Lord. And he's calling upon the God that he knows because God has revealed himself to David just as God has revealed and is revealing himself to us. And one of the main ways God reveals himself to us is through his names. He wants us to get to know him so that we know that we can come to him and that when trouble comes knocking on our door, he is always available for us. We can always talk to him and call upon him and cry out to him. 
So that's one. When trouble comes knocking on our door, call on the Lord. But then notice verse four. We need to trust in the Lord we're calling on. He says in verse four, look or behold, God is my deliverer. The Lord is among those who support me. Notice what David is doing here. This is so important. You and I need to do the same thing. David, in a sense, is preaching God to himself. He is reminding his heart and mind, this is who my God is. Why is that important? Well, as human beings, as we go through life, our thoughts and our mind can get pretty out of whack real quick. And we can start thinking erroneous thoughts about our situation, about God, about God relating to us and all of that. And especially when we're going through hard, difficult times, our minds can really cook up some stuff that doesn't line up with who God is and what his word has told us. So what we have to do is basically deprogram ourselves. We have to get rid of the junk in our minds and in our thought life, and we've got to lay that aside, and we've got to replace it continually with the truth of God. And we have to learn how to speak truth to ourselves all the time. And in a sense, preach to ourselves and go, nope, that's not right. This is who God is. No, that's not what this situation is. This is not an illustration that God hates me or God doesn't love me or God doesn't care. No, that's not what this is. I need to tell myself truth all the time. Paul says to the Philippians, if you and I want to experience the peace of God from the God of peace, especially the peace that passes all understanding, Paul says in Philippians 4, we've got to think certain things. Think certain things. Which, by the way, requires effort and energy on our part. You, you can't passively take control of your mind and your thoughts. It, it, it takes work. It takes effort. It, it's going to take energy. You and I might be tired after just thinking. But if we're thinking correctly, it's worth all the effort because bad thinking can blow up our lives. So we've got to learn to take control of our thoughts, and that's what David is doing. He, in a sense, is telling his heart and mind, I can trust you, God, because you are my deliverer. We looked at this verse last week. The word deliver means helper, and it comes from a root word in the Hebrew language that means to surround. I love that. Our, our, God is not just our helper, the best help we could ever have, the best helper we could ever have. He literally surrounds us at all times. In fact, this word that David uses here to describe God as his deliverer and as his helper is actually a military term. It speaks about one who is an ally, uh, one who shows up just when I need them to, to sort of turn the tide of battle. You and I, or you, you know how much I have delved into military history through, you know, and, and especially I, I, I've focused in my life on, 
on the Civil War. I mean, just one story out of the Battle of Gettysburg, which was a pivotal battle. I mean, if that thing would have went differently, Abraham Lincoln would not have had a second term as our president, and who knows what our country would have looked like. And on the second day of that battle, a gap opened up in the Union line. And they needed somebody to come from somewhere and plug that hole. Or else the Confederate army was going to march right through that hole in that line and things would have been real different in Gettysburg and General Lee and the Confederate army would have marched right into Washington and taken over. And so they looked around and there were 300 young men from Minnesota. Those of you from Minnesota, you're going, yeah. In fact, there's this famous painting that's actually hung in the Minnesota State Capitol, and it's entitled, Not a Man Wavered. Because when those 300 men were asked to go and plug that hole, they almost knew that was a suicide mission. Out of like 300 men, only about 40 survived. But guess what? They plugged that hole. They were the help that was direly needed And they made it just in time to keep that hole plugged up. That's why this is so important, because David's saying, man, when, when you need him, he's there. He's there. He's gonna show up for you. And no one is gonna show up for you like God can show up for you. God is our ultimate helper. And then notice, he says, Adonai, the one who rules over all, the one who is above all, who's sovereign, who's in control. He's among those who support me, whom I lean upon, who upholds me, who sustains me through the times when trouble comes knocking. As I shared with you at the end of the service last week, I don't care if people accuse me of having God as my crutch. He's way more than my crutch. He's my stretcher. I want to totally rely and lean and depend upon him, not just partially. And David is saying that's the kind of support that God can be. He can literally carry us when we have no strength to carry ourselves. That's who our God is. And I love the fact, though, that David does acknowledge the Lord is among those who support me. Because we know that Throughout David's life, God sent other people to support David just when he needed it. Just a couple weeks ago, we saw he moved Jonathan, his dear friend, to show up and spend time with him just when David needed encouragement. He sent Abiathar, the priest, to David just when David needed a personal pastor, a shepherd, someone to minister to him. And and so God is not only there for us, but God will direct other people to us, just the exact people that we need at just the right time. Because God, being the Lord over all things, knows exactly what's going on in all of our lives, even down to the detail of every second. He knows it everything, because that's who he is. And then David writes, may those who wait to ambush me, be repaid for their evil. And God is a demonstration of your faithfulness. Destroy them. Silence them. We don't think about that very often, but that is exactly a demonstration of God's faithfulness is when he has promised all of his people, I'm going to make things right one day. 
It might not be in your timing, but I'm going to vindicate my people. I'm going to vindicate everyone who places their trust in me. I'm going to set all records straight. I'm going to make everything right one day. We've got to trust the Lord to do that and know that that is also a demonstration of his faithfulness. His faithfulness is not just demonstrated in one day taking his children to heaven to be with him for all of eternity. His faithfulness is also demonstrated in laying aside all of his enemies who oppose him. That's his faithfulness as well. Now, notice something, though. David is practicing something that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. David is asking God to be the one to repay them for the evil they've done. He's not taking matters into his own hands. It's exactly what Paul says. If we trust the Lord, Adonai, then Paul says, do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God says, I will settle all accounts one day. Trust me to do it. Don't you try to do it, because you won't do it perfectly like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it when it needs to be done, and I'm going to do it exactly how it needs to be done. Trust me to settle the accounts and to set the records straight. So when trouble comes knocking on David's door, what's he do? He calls on the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. But then notice beginning in verse 6, he worships the Lord. Because David is realizing as he's calling on the Lord and preaching to himself about the person of God and reminding himself about who God is and what God has done that he can't help but want to worship God. Do you know that's the kind of fire, if you will, that God wants to create and build in his own people today? That, that we should be so overwhelmed with who God is and what we have through him, what we will have through him, what he's already given us, what he's going to give us, that we should want to bust down the doors of his house and be here as much as possible to worship him and wake up every day with thoughts like, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in my God. Notice what David says. With a free will offering, offering, I will sacrifice to you. Notice, willingly, gratefully, thankfully, David says, I want to bring a sacrifice. Oh, and by the way, notice, this isn't coerced. This isn't manipulated. David isn't saying we should do this because we feel pressure. Any offerings or sacrifices that we bring to the Lord should come from our own heart. We should not feel pressured by other people to bring certain offerings and sacrifices. That's why we do offering even the way we do it here. It's just a box that sits back there, and if you want to give the Lord you give, that's between you and God. not about me getting up here making you feel guilty making you feel bad that's what david says 
willingly, gratefully, thankfully. And notice, he says, I will sacrifice to you. Doesn't that remind you of what David says somewhere else? When he says, I will not offer to the Lord my God sacrifices that what? Cost me nothing. David is saying, I want to bring something that costs me something because my God is worthy of my sacrifices. Because of who he is and what he's done for me and who he is for me, I will gladly sacrifice for him. And then he says, I will give thanks. These words speak about praising him. I will praise your name, God, your perfect, holy, matchless name, O Lord, for it is good. I was so excited when Nicole shared with me several months ago that she was going to introduce the song Goodness of God today. That's a good song. There's good truth in that song. We all need to remind ourselves continually that God is good. Yes, he is good. Because my friends, even going back to the very first book of the Bible, what is it that Satan tries to cast doubt upon in people's minds? The goodness of God. Remember what he said to Eve when he was tempting her? Are you sure your God is good? Because he's holding out on you. If he was really good, he wouldn't tell you not to eat from that tree. See, from the very beginning, what Satan tries to do with all of us is to cast doubt upon our, the goodness of our God. And we even can get there, again, because of our erroneous thinking, that we can begin to think, God's not so good. If God was good to me, look at what I'd have, or look at this wouldn't be going this way. Or this. No, no, no. God is good all the time. And his goodness is not dependent on, you know, our circumstances and how I'm feeling and all of that. First of all, and this is, a, to me, a very timely thing to say, especially on Communion Sunday, my goodness, God sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sin so that we could have complete and full forgiveness through him, have his righteousness in place of our sinfulness, and have a home in glory for all of eternity. If God did nothing else for us other than that, he's a good God and needs to be praised for it. We need to remember the goodness of God always. And then I love verse 7. Because if you've noticed in the first six verses, David is either talking to God or he's talking to himself. But here verse 7 is sort of worship as witness. And that he's declaring his Faith. He's, he's looking ahead and seeing through the eyes of faith his victory. He says, surely he, God, rescues me from all trouble. It's not if God will rescue me. It's only a matter of when he rescues or delivers me. From not just some trouble, all distress and adversity. And I 
triumph over my enemies. He's not triumphing now, no. But because he's called on the Lord and he's trusting in the Lord, he's preaching to himself about who his God is, his faith has become strengthened, you see. And he is able now to declare to those around him, this is who my God is and this is what I have through my God even before it happens. David sees his victory is assured. And God wants us to see the same thing through the eyes of faith. You may be going through a real season of struggle right now. But by faith, we hold on to verses like, we have complete victory through him who loved us. Romans chapter 8. That we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That John says, everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world. This is our conquering power that has conquered the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. You see, David had more suffering and peril to go through before he would ascend the throne. But he was confident that the Lord would see him through. And guess what? God did. God did see him through. He did get through all of these years of trials and tribulations. And he did ascend the throne and sit as the king of Israel. In fact, he became the greatest king that Israel's ever had other than the Lord Jesus Christ one day. God wants you and I to see our lives in the same way. You may be going through it right now, but God wants you to see your victory is assured because of Jesus. And your God is good and he is great. There is no higher name. There's no greater one that you and I can call on and lean upon who could be our helper. And you may be going through a lot of suffering and peril right now that you're experiencing before you ascend your throne and rule and reign with Christ. But it's coming, my friends. And God wants you to live in that victory that Jesus has provided. Listen, trouble's gonna come into our lives. That's part of living here on earth. But David is setting down a great pattern and example for us to follow. When trouble comes, call on the Lord, trust in the Lord, and worship the Lord. Jesus said, When he gathered his disciples the night on which he was betrayed, he broke bread, he poured wine, and he said to each of them, do this in remembrance of me. And what a great Sunday for us, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, to remember what our Lord has done for us and who we are and what we have because of him. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come at this time. And here's what we're going to do today. Because your pastor has caused confusion in times past, we're all going to stay seated today. 
except those who are serving communion. And once the elements are passed out and our song is done, I will come back up on the platform and we can all stand together and partake of the elements of the bread and the wine this morning. So in a sense, the only people that need to be up are the people on the worship team and the people who are serving communion. You and I can stay seated and just sing as great as we can sing out about the great name of our God while we're sitting down this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you today for being here. Thank you, God, for the reminders through your servant David that you are a great God. You are Elohim, you are Adonai, you are Jehovah, and you are a good God. And you're always great, and you're always good, and you're always gracious, and you're always glorious, God. And God, may we not take our eyes off of you. When trouble comes in our life or when we're navigating trouble, God, may we call upon you, may we trust in you, and may we worship you. Because you are always worthy of our worship. God, may we sing in declaring who you are, Lord, today as your people in remembrance of you. Amen.